0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire podcast network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tagan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. New from Moultrie
0: Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market.
1: Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. We cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Josh Rayley, and with deer seasons wrapping up around the country, it's time to take a good, long look at the gear that we use this fall. Like. What worked? What didn't work? What gear did we love? What should we add to our kit to take our hunting up another notch? Lucky for you gear junkies out there, ATA, that is the Archery Trade Association trade show, for 2023 featured tons of new and innovative products for deer hunters, and I was able to be there along with a whole crew from the Sportsman's Empire podcast network. Now, in this episode, I catch up with Andrew Muntz from the O2 podcast about some of the best gear, some of the worst gear, And uh, some of the silly things in between that we saw at the show while we were in Indianapolis. And of course, because this is the How to Hunt Deer podcast, we're going to hear a little bit about Andrew's season, which he had a great year in the field. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the shenanigans from the ATA show. Uh, It was quite a treat to get to meet a lot of the Sportsman's Empire guys in person for the first time. And uh, I'm pretty sure we pranked an entire restaurant, but I'll let you listen to that in in the show. Uh, and then we're going to talk about some of our top picks from the show. Now, if you are not a gear junkie, I want to speak to you for just a second. This is not an episode just for gear junkies. In fact, there will be moments when uh, you notice that Andrew and I are kind of going back and forth of like, wait, what was that brand? What was that called? Because... We're not gear junkies. We're just out there looking for stuff that works. We're looking for stuff that makes us comfortable in the field, that helps us hunt harder, helps us hunt longer, and helps us be more efficient. So with all of that out of the way, I do want to jump over to our commercials. First of all, this episode is brought to you by Tacticam. They're the title sponsor of this show. They're making some of the best gear out there for hunters and anglers who want to film their experience while they're in the field, bring it home, show it to friends and loved ones, share it with your friends at work. Uh, Maybe even throw it up on YouTube, whatever it is that you want to do. Love Tacticam, fantastic products, backed up by good people, backed up by excellent, excellent customer service. I was talking to a guy just the other day, actually, about how great Tacticam's customer service is. Uh, Yeah, it's phenomenal. So I have talked an absolute ton about their gear. You know about the 6.0 camera. You know about the Solo Extreme camera. Both are great cameras. The 6.0 gives you 4K footage. The Solo Extreme does not. The 6.0 gives you a touchscreen display. The Solo Extreme does not, but the Solo Extreme's got all the waterproof housing and the one-touch operation, uh, remote compatibility, all that stuff that you're looking for. Uh, It's just kind of a budget-friendly option, even though the 6.0, really not that expensive when you compare it to bringing some other kind of camera out into the field with you. One awesome deal they've got going on right now that I want to bring to your attention. Their Spotter LR is on sale right now for $149.99. Now, that may not sound very important to you, except for the fact that that's 150 bucks off of the normal price. Now, I don't know about you, but with turkey season right around the corner, I love glassing turkeys. I love sitting back, sitting observation sits the first morning or two when I'm on a hunt and seeing what the turkeys are doing before I really move in. The Spotter LR is going to be hugely important for that. You can go learn more about that deal and pick one up at tacticam.com. Next up, Huntworth, Uh, right now they are running a sale 20 to 50% off of everything on their website. That's right. 20 to 50% off everything on their website. I was cruising through there earlier. Most of the gear that I was using this fall is at least 20% off guys. I'm telling you, that's an awesome deal. If you can get on there and pick up some of their heat boost gear right now, you can get it for a steal. Uh, I was wearing the Saskatoon pants jacket and vest this year. It kept me extremely warm and temperatures down into the upper teens and I probably could have pushed it further. So go check it out, huntworthgear.com. Then finally, OnX. I do not go anywhere without OnX, whether it's a family hike, whether it's a day of scouting, whether it's a day of property consultation with somebody. I've always got OnX, and I'm always using it, always taking waypoints. And thanks to OnX, I always know where I'm at. Now, one cool feature that I've been playing with here recently is their forest layers. They have tree species and habitat maps now. So I don't, I don't know if you knew about that, but they've got different layers on there. One's a deciduous coniferous layer, which is really cool because it can kind of show you the, the edges back in the timber. Uh, the next layer that I'm really excited about is the acorn-producing oaks layer. Now, it's going to show you white oaks, red oaks, and mixed oak areas with mature oak trees only. They're not going to show you areas that are too young to be producing acorns just yet. This is going to be hugely beneficial for me as I'm getting ready to do some off-season scouting and planning for next year finding, okay, there's a good group of white oaks over here, good group of red oaks over here. Oh, look, this area is pretty mixed. I personally love to hunt those areas with mixed oaks because it seems like they're more consistent from year to year. Uh, anyway, yeah, an awesome layer. You need to go check them out on xmaps.com or you can find them on your preferred app store. Now let's jump into our conversation today with Mr. Andrew Munts from the O2 podcast talking about gear that we loved and some that we didn't from the ATA show 2023. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast is Andrew Munts from the O2 podcast. Andrew, what's going on, buddy?
0: Living the dream, dude. Living the dream. We got a little bit of the white
1: stuff down here in Ohio, so uh, we'll take
0: it. We'll Very take nice. it. Very nice.
1: Very nice. So, season is still going in Ohio. Are you still doing anything, or are you done-done?
0: Technically, yes. It is open, and I think it's till February 5th. It's whatever that first Sunday is in February. Uh the thought has crossed my mind. Uh, I had my, I was traveling last week. I had my back lock up a little bit on me. so I was thinking about going out over the weekend, but then it was like, uh, not worth it just because I basically got a pretty full freezer at this point. Uh, I could use about one more. I've got one more tag. If I get a wild hair up my butt, maybe I'll go out there, but um, I don't know if you saw, did you see my post the other day of my neighbor's deer that got out?
1: Yeah, like walking up to your son? Yeah,
0: so we have uh, some people across the street that it's literally, it's a funny farm, and uh, there's all kinds of animals, and one day, I just happened to be getting the mail or something, I look over, and uh, I think it was through one of my, you know, roller coasters of, of the year, and I've got a deer just a doe standing there looking at me and these people spent and I'm like, here I right about, you know, trying to find them in the wild. And I've got one literally right across the street. Well, that doe got out and it's, I don't know if they orphaned it or what happened, but it's basically, you know, calm around humans and my dog and everything like no issues. So here she comes the other day when she got out, just walking right up the yard, right up to my son, let him, you know, he could pet her nose and everything. And, it was crazy. That's
1: nuts, man. That was nuts. Yeah, I, I went on a little marriage retreat over the weekend with my wife, and we went to a place called Berry College. And they have uh, deer just all over this college campus, and they just look at you. You walk by them. People run by them. They're, just, they're like bedded up against the, the buildings and stuff. It's like, what kind of place is this? And I know around it is a wildlife refuge and a wildlife management area that you can hunt. And so they, like, know, okay, here's the boundary. Here is where I cannot go past to not get shot. You know, over there, I act real skittish. Over here, I can lean up against buildings and and let people pet me, basically.
0: But, Josh, that is giving us a bad name. Like, you take your wife and you let her see that, and she's probably, like, why is this so hard? They're just everywhere. I mean, that's what I would say. <laughs> you just go out to the woods. You don't actually, you know, look, I can just come here and pet these ones. So. Yeah.
1: Well, I was, I'm concerned about the college students on that campus because it's like, man, this is going to be your life. Like, this is what you think about people who hunt now is like, they just walk out here to these things that like want to sniff you and you shoot them. It's like, mm, not quite the same, not quite not the same it. world. Yeah. Not <laughs> the same. So cool, man. Well, if you get out, good luck. It's just a doe, doe tag you have left. Yes. You guys, you guys only get one buck tag. Is that right?
0: We got one buck tag. Unless you pull something crazy like Paul, um, co-host for our show, he had this one lottery hunt that he won, which you could just shoot whatever you wanted because it was on a wildlife management area that was, uh, you know, a refuge. So they just need population control. But outside of something like that, yes, Ohio is a one buck.
1: state. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, so you've been on the How to Hunt Deer podcast before on the Deer Camp Editions where we were talking about our week and kind of what hunting strategies we had been using. I'm curious, now that you're here at the end, you're kind of reflecting back over your season. If you had to rate your 2022 into 2023 hunting season, where would you rank it on a scale of 1 to 10?
0: On a scale of 1 to 10, I would put it probably— With 10 being
1: great. 10 is like the best ever.
0: Right. I would probably say about an eight and a half. Um, there's a lot of things that I think I did well. Uh, I'm not one of, I'd probably never give myself a 10, uh, just because, you know, I'm, I, I never give anybody like a perfect review on anything. So, uh, but from what I've had in the past, uh, up into this year, you know, I still got some mistakes I made, but, uh, overall everything went well. Got, a lot of deer in the freezer was able to donate one to farmers and hunters feeding the hungry, got my archery buck first one and ever. So, uh, I crossed a lot of things off the list. I think from a, you know, learning perspective, there's a lot I figured out. Um, hindsight, you know, it's 2020, but like in the past, I was one of those guys that was like basically going to sit the same stands time and time again whether they worked or not. And I probably burn them out early because I get so excited in September, October. Uh, This year I went out I found some access to a few different properties. Uh, I did my best to like read the maps, talk to people, you know, that different using different philosophies, climbing up into trees that I probably would have never ever considered. um, Just because it was and I you know I got in there like there was a couple times where I got in deep and stuff one of the times I I crawled on my stomach and my knees with my backpack and my bow and everything else just to get in this area I mean it was the worst entry ever but it actually worked out and I saw three or four bucks that night like that was it was one of those things that in in the past I would have never ever considered that but this time I did and voila, imagine that.
1: Nice, nice. And you ended up tagging a a really nice buck in late November? Yeah, it was the, or Thanksgiving, yep. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Now, when it comes to, like, a lot of the mistakes that you made, you know, this is, this is like the time of year that I try to think about those, like, really in depth and try to learn from those. What are some of the mistakes that you think you still made this year that kind of give you some room for improvement for next year?
0: I need to calm the jitters, right? The buck fever, the doe fever, whatever you want to call it. But for me at the beginning of the year, it's always the worst. As time goes on, it's like you get used to it and you start to calm yourself down and it's reliving that moment. So I got to figure out a way this off season to practice some of that and to, I don't know how, I mean, that that's going to be the question is how do you get that adrenaline rush? How do you try to mimic that? Um, so I'm going to work on that. I think the other thing I really need to work on and I'm, I've come up with some ideas, but like when you go hang and hang bang or whatever, um, mobile hunting, you know, you get up into these trees, public land areas where you can't maintain shooting lanes very well. It's a lot different than what I've done in the past. So there's branches in the way. Um, some of the, the lows of my year included, you know, branches being hit and shots and stuff. So I need to figure out a way to, uh, and I think that that, those are always going to be there. If you're in there and in the thick stuff and trying to get to these tough to get areas, just whatever. Uh, so my wife's probably gonna kill me, but I have this idea in my backyard to set up like a stand off of my barn and then take like tree branches and throw them all up in the yard, all over the place and try to like shoot through windows and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, that's one of those ones. And, and then I think part of that is like just the focus of the shot and make sure you're completely, completely aware of all the surroundings and not just like blur out that little branch that's in the way because that little branch can deflect everything. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Man, one thing that I noticed kind of watching your season from afar, you had a lot of really good encounters, like what I would consider to be an above average year. I don't know how many bucks, like shooter bucks, you had an encounter with, but in my opinion, that's kind of an above average year. What would be like the number one thing that you say, I started doing this and I started getting more encounters?
0: Um,. part of it was going and finding different properties. So I had three or Mm -hmm. four encounters. I'm not one to go bang on people's doors very much. I don't, which is crazy because in my real world, I'm like a salesperson. So talking to people really isn't normally that hard, but for whatever reason, like I didn't grow up uh, where I live now, I didn't grow up here. So I'm still meeting people and that kind of stuff. So over time, I think that that'll come, but I had to go out, out and find a few different spots to, to try and and just doing it like leaving your comfort zone the mobile side of things you know a a couple years ago I picked up the saddle hunting but really like using the saddle like it's supposed to and pick up and go and pick up and go that was huge um on on that side of things so I think kind of putting all the pieces together really helped yeah and I I mean some people are going to hate me for saying this but Ohio has a lot of deer and so I think that 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 also helps. We have a lot of deer per whatever square mile or the population density is pretty good up here. Um, and I guess some of that depends on where you're at, but you find the right property and you put yourself in the right spot.
1: It worked out. Yeah, man. I I think that you're, I think that you're not alone in that. Hey, you know, as soon as I started being more mobile, uh, as soon as I started carrying a saddle, you know, using a tree saddle instead of another one so that I was able to get into more trees and onto more properties, all of a sudden my success rate starts going up. I think that's a pretty common story that I hear from people that I think are are really consistent. Like the guys that I have on the show a lot that are just every year, you know, like clockwork kind of killers. And I say, hey, what is the thing that set you apart? A lot of it is that, you know, when I started being really mobile, when I started really analyzing where I'm going.
0: And that's, you know, I didn't grow up in a hunting family. So I picked up stuff as, as time has gone on. Um, and, and as I picked up things along the way, like when I started learning hunting, it was from, um, you know, a couple mentors or people that I had, I'd come across. Those guys had fixed stands and like, but the ones that were really good killers, like they had fixed stands on six different properties. So I didn't have six different properties. I had like two and I'd had two fixed stands and that didn't work very well. And it took thick head. So it took some time to get that through. Um, as far as, you know, you got to move, you got to try something different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, let's, let's shift gears a little bit here. So I, I didn't have you on just to talk about deer hunting. I had you on to talk about ATA this year. Now I've got to say this was the best ever ATA that I've been to, uh, because it's the only ATA that I've ever been to. And I'm looking around, I think my trophy is here somewhere uh, the entire Sportsman's Empire crew walked away with trophies this year, which if you saw some of the places where we posted that on, on social media, people are like cheering for us and like high-fiving and so proud of us, and they have no idea uh, what, what that was all about, um, which is funny to me because they're assuming that we're being uh, totally honest and, um, you know, took home something for actual podcasting. What they don't know is that the award ceremony was cooked up by you uh, behind the scenes as a surprise? Yeah, that was fun. So tell tell fun. me tell me was this you? This was your second ATA, right?
0: Yeah, All, Paul and I went down to ATA last year in Louisville, and it was a great show. Uh, this year's vibe was totally different. I, last year, I don't even know. I think John from Oklahoma came up from the network, but I think that was about it. Uh, Paul and I had only been at it for I don't know four or five months at that point, but now we like really comfort comfortable settled in. So, uh, you know, we had talked ahead of time that there was going to be a good amount of people there from the network, and and so I was like, you know what, we're gonna have a little fun with this. And I, you and I kind of talked about it beforehand. Uh, I don't think I gave you all the details, but most of them. Um, so it was good. It was good. But yes, our. You want to talk about the award ceremony? Yeah,
1: man, I want to talk about the award ceremony. So for, first, 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 your first ATA, you had not met Dan in person yet. Dan Johnson, the
0: emperor. Yeah, do you want to get out of the way? That dude is flipping
1: huge. He's a giant. He's a giant. Now, I've talked with Dan a lot. I work with Dan on a daily basis. We talk on the phone a ton. We have Google Meets a ton. Um, and I knew he wasn't like a small guy. But I did not know that he was a legitimate giant. At least to me. I mean, I'm five foot seven, right? So like, I look at Dan and I'm like, oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, dude. Like, that's Iowa uh, corn and beef fed right there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, not, and he's not not wide in the shoulders too. So like, oh, I mean, he he, he is built like a wrestler.
0: Yeah, uh, I kept telling Paul ahead of time. I'm like, I'm just gonna walk in there. I'm gonna spear him. I'm gonna like Goldberg, right? Just stone cold stunner him, whatever. And then I saw, I was like, oh, nope, not going to mess with that dude. Like, (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, so it was the first time we met in person and we were sharing a hotel room. So we just went straight for it, just from zero to 60, um, you know, in our relationship, whatever that looks like. But um, so, yeah, man, let's let's talk a little bit about the award ceremony. We get there, we meet everybody in person. That's cool. Uh, I'd never met you guys in person or the Missouri guys in person. Uh, Mitch from from uh, Pennsylvania was there. I thought Marcus was going to be there. Marcus wasn't able to make it. I've talked to him since then. He said definitely next year. So if we can go next year, he'll hopefully be there. Uh, but, yeah, man, what what else? Oh, um, and Dan and Sam from Nomadic Outdoorsman and Western Rookie were, were there as well. Anything else surprise you, like, in meeting in person for the first time? Because I feel like we talk a lot, or I, I especially talk with all you guys, like, on a really regular basis. We've had each other on each other's shows. What surprised you? Uh
0: first of all, the average height of the network I think is about six foot. And that accounts for you and me and Nate being about five seven. Yep. Okay. Yep. The rest of us are like six four. Like somewhere in the middle, you know, I think Dan Matthews is the only one that's like height wise is is hits that average. But <laughs> he's the only um,
1: normal one among us. <laughs> it,
0: um but no, it was that was really that was a great that was a, probably the best aspect of me. And, yeah. and it's not just the network. It's, it's networking in general. And so my real job, like, there's a lot of trade shows and things that are involved. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about this as far as ACA goes, but people talk about trade shows in general are dying and that it's not a super, you know, productive thing anymore. Blame your cell phone, blame the internet, blame the sales reps, whatever. Like, There's a lot of reasons, but one thing that I think you can never replace with any of these trade shows and stuff is the networking, the in-person, you know, you know, horsing around and, and, you know, having dinner and and talking and and face-to-face networking. Like you can't replace that, not zoom calls, not Google meet, whatever. Like, so to me, that was probably the the best part of the show. Um, And, and to me and when it comes to trade shows in general, but.
1: Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with a 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Yeah, no, that was definitely definitely very good. Unfortunately, none of the the companies that I work with um, had a booth at the show. I was really hoping to have some of those brands there. But I think, again, it's it's that, you know, where's the value at um, when it comes to these shows? And, and, um, yeah, I think a lot of companies are probably trying to figure that out, especially coming out of COVID. Like, okay how much do we need these in person things and i think we'll see over the next couple of years we needed a little more than we than we thought we did you know what i mean those who have who've decided to kind of opt out at this point i think we need them a little bit more than we think that we do now that may mean some companies scale down from spending you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on the show maybe maybe you don't need all that but being there and having those conversations in person are still valuable
0: yeah i don't think it's it's not a surprise from 2020 till now, I mean, there's been a lot of challenges. And I think one of the things I heard last year at the show, part of the reason I think it was Hoyt that wasn't there, is basically they had sold their entire 2022. Like they were not able to produce and ship anymore. If anybody from Hoyt is listening, and I'm incorrect, I apologize. But supply chain issues that we've dealt with, and I'm, I know everybody's part of that over the last year and a half or so, why am I going to go spend of hundred thousand dollars on a booth to sell more bows that I don't even have the ability to make? Yeah. If, if we ever get back to quote normal, you know, maybe we'll see some of that, but, um, yeah, either way, it's always fun to go to that show. I mean, like we were just talking, I don't even think I got to the entire show walking through and seeing everything. It was just, there's a, still a lot there and you know, there, whatever it was, it was great.
1: Yeah. I got in and I had zero strategy. So, every day it was like there, I, I would walk past the spot that I'd walk past five times and I'd notice a brand new booth. It's like, Oh, look at that. That's pretty cool. So I, I think I probably could have been more efficient, but I think as far as the amount of time I spent talking with people, I, I don't think I could have done any better, man. I filled up, absolutely filled up my days to the extent that kind of like you were mentioning earlier, like there are a lot of products that I just didn't see because I was so busy talking to people about the products that I, that I did get to see. So Let's talk a little bit about the award ceremony, though. So we go out to uh, a restaurant in Indianapolis that night, and you'd had the idea to have an award ceremony called the Dandies after the Dundies from the office, right? Yep, big office fan. And obviously everyone else there was too. Um, So we get there, and the best part to me was when you stood up and started handing out these awards, people in the restaurant start like, (laughs) Clapping for, they're cheering like they think this is legit. They yes. think that these are real awards, and they have no clue <laughs> what the title of the awards actually uh, actually are. So, do you want to run us through like a couple of the ones you uh, decided to hand out?
0: Sure. And that was man. So I think the first one I gave out. Uh, first, I waited for everybody to order their dinner. I, man, I was sitting there, I was like getting so excited. Um, and I pulled the box out, and then I said, uh, you know, you guys heard of the Dundies? Well, thanks to Dan Johnson, we're going to have the Dandies. And uh, the first one, I think, was uh, to Micah from Missouri for the most intoxicating uh, performance of the year uh, <laughs> when he was, they were out on their elk tour, and or uh, elk camp, and when I gave that, I look over, and here is, we're at a, a Mexican restaurant, Hispanic restaurant, and here's this. The guy behind the hostess stand just clapping away like he, he was so big old smile on his face. He was so excited for Micah. And uh, I should also mention that these are <laughs> these trophies cost me about $15 on Amazon and I used duct tape and a pen to write on there the award. So it didn't, you know, it wasn't like some real fabulous uh, engraved trophy or anything. Uh, let's see. Nate from... Missouri, he got Cat herder of the year, uh, because he keeps those guys together. You can just tell.
1: Yep. Oh yeah.
0: Mitchell over in Pennsylvania got uh, the Johnny Appleseed award because he's planting seeds physically and metaphorically. If you listen to him, he'll throw some pretty deep thoughts out there every once in a while. Yep. Uh, job is agronomics. Um, Most likely to reside in six states was uh, Josh Raley, of course. Yeah, because I
1: move all around the country for absolutely no reason. I don't know
0: why. You could have got the nomadic non-nomadic outdoorsman award. I know. I just Uh, keep
1: moving and buying a house when I get there. I should just get an (laughs) RV and just travel around like Dan, but...
0: Uh, What Paul got, most likely kill four deer before breakfast is over um, from his hunt this year that was just a... Um, shooting spree, let's see, Dan Matthews got the most expensive social media award because he had to marry his wife in order to get that social media account that cost money. And then (laughs) emperor emperor of the year was Mr. Dan Johnson. Yeah,
1: couldn't give that one to anybody else. (laughs) Yeah. Well, very good, man. So, all right, take me in. That's, That's evening one, right? We're all kind of newly there we got to see stuff at the show walk me through now some of what you think are like the best deer gear for the year like i didn't mean to make all that rhyme that was terrible the best uh the best gear for deer hunting for 2023 did anything or any company catch your attention it's like oh i i haven't been super familiar with them but but now after this i'd really be interested in in picking up some of their gear
0: so i'm trying to think New stuff that I'm not familiar with, I am probably didn't, I didn't venture out into that realm as much as, as normal. So like last year, everything was new to us. And then this year, met a lot of people along the way. So there's a lot of just reconnecting with them. Um, And things that I picked up along the way that I was like, I want to go talk to the guys who made it or, or whatever. So one of the things I want to talk about was, um, it's from painted arrow, Painted arrow archery, and it's the Mag Pro Plus. Um, now
1: I don't think I saw this.
0: Okay, well, good. You have to look it up. I picked one of these up last year. So what it is, it fits on your um, stabilizer, it's like a stabilizer mount. Oh, that's and right. Yep. You told. And me. It uses it to slap on there. So early in the season last year, I had uh, a deer that I didn't recover, but I know I'd hit, and I you know, you black out, we've, we've talked about this and your mind is like a million places. I figure I need to find a way to record this stuff so I can see physically where the arrow goes in. Uh, and picking up this thing really helped me to, um, be able to, it's not the best video quality, but it's something right. And it's when you slow it down, if you record in 4k or whatever, like you can get a solid enough picture that you are able to Um, see where the arrow went in, what you're dealing with. Do you go after it right away? Is it something you back out? So to me, that was, that was cool. Um, And I wanted to make sure I went up and talked to those guys. They've got a few different things, but on their, their site there, but painted arrow archery, that was definitely one that was on my list.
1: Nice. So you, you picked up one of those in the off season and did you get to chat with them over the, during the show?
0: Yeah. Yep. I actually picked it up in the season. So oh, okay. that was one of the things after like the first or second time I there. But okay. got a, that I can, I know, man, I can't fathom the idea of like taking cameras and, and all this different stuff in there. But I'm like, I always have my phone. These have decent cameras on them. There's gotta be a way. And so I found it. So I got a chance to go up and talk to those
1: guys and that was good. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Did you, uh, one of the things that I, you hunt on a lot of different properties. Do you use a lot of trail cameras?
0: I have four, I think or five, but I usually throw one up on each property that I can get get to.
1: Okay, are they public properties like with other pe- not public in the sense of do other people have access or is it just you?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: pretty much just you.
0: No, so, no I there's some oh. that's public I can
1: okay you know, other- So one of the products that I saw uh, that that was really intriguing to me was the spy high mount, like from the mounting system. Yeah, yeah, those are amazing. Have you used those before?
0: I haven't, and I saw them. I didn't see them there. Um, I didn't get a chance to go exactly figure out how it works, but the idea is definitely awesome.
1: Yeah, they're way easier to use than they look. At first, I walked past them like three or four times like, hmm, that's probably not for me. But then I walked by another time, and I realized they had this uh, clamp that would be legal for public land. You know, because I'm walking by, and I see them just screwing into the tree, and I'm like, Mm, that, you know, I'm obviously not going to be able to do that on public, uh, but they have a clamp where you can hang it over a tree branch and then clamp that down. And that holds the mount up there. Then you can stick your trail camera in and like angle it and however you want to do that. So that was, that was really cool. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think, usually I throw mine up a little bit higher, but I just use a stick, but that's definitely something that, you know, if you're out in public and stuff a lot, that you definitely could take care of, or take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And he was like, "Dude, I'll hang mine like 21 feet off the ground." I'm like, ah, "I'm not going that far." By that point, you, the angle that your camera is going to pick up is going to be awful, right? Like you're yeah. just not going to get good quality pictures. I mean, I can see where you might want to do that if you're dealing with bears or something around bait, uh, that kind of thing. But I mean, for the most part, to get it, you know, 10, 12 feet, if you don't want to carry a stick, I like that. Like it a lot. Uh, yeah. What about any other gear? Did you did you get to talk to or touch any of the new like climbing sticks that were out there? Because man, everybody was coming out with good climbing sticks this year.
0: Yeah, so I saw the latitude ones, and those looked pretty sweet. Yep. Uh, full disclosure: I have uh, I have set of tether. A tether. Well, I have tether ones too, but Timber Ninja. Timber Ninja, their carbon fiber sticks, which you've had out for a couple of years, those are like my go-to. Yeah. So it, I'm surprised that, you know, other companies were going down that route. And Latitude won an award. I think they got best of the innovation stuff for the carbon SS climbing sticks. But, um, you know, that, this game of how light can you go, but still be sturdy.
1: <coughs>
0: Excuse me. Uh, these companies are, are on it. And I, that was one thing I was just in general, Going to the show and having the innovation zone, I think is fabulous because it's like there is still new ideas coming and and guys are putting, you know, effort into creating new things for us, which some industries, I don't feel like that's always the case.
1: Yeah, man, I'll be honest. I have felt like over the last couple of years, not necessarily this year. But the last couple of years, I was kind of disappointed at some of the innovation that was coming out because a lot of it just looked to be a rehashing or a repackaging of stuff that was already out. Even in the saddle world, it was like, okay, here's another saddle that's shaped generally like this and it cups you and you hang off the tree with a, with a tether or whatever. I was really pumped to see Tethered's new saddle this year. Did you get to hang in that thing?
0: Super comfortable, man.
1: Dude, it is super comfortable. And you go from standing to sitting without any need for adjustment. It just like hangs with your body.
0: Yeah. So um, it was super comfortable. It was maybe a little bit cumbersome. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable with the saddle that I use now, which is one of their Phantoms. Um, And so for me, I don't know that I needed that, right? But uh, the new one. Uh, but there's people out there that would love it like that. And if yep. that gets them in the battle hunting, then so be it. Right. That's great. Uh, and they have the new pouches on the side and stuff like that. So it's, it's broadening your, your, um, you know, portfolio to include more people. And if there's somebody out there that's like, I don't feel comfortable in that one, but this new one, yes, I would, you know, then good. That's
1: great. Yeah. I, I think the having more substance to it again, it's comfortable. It's not going to be for me. Uh, I'm probably going to be running a latitude saddle this coming year. Um, because like you said, I'm comfortable in kind of the old traditional sling style saddle. I don't feel like I need backpack straps coming off of my saddle. I don't feel like I need the big, huge pouches on the side, like the new tethered saddle. But for folks who are saying, I I need a little more substance, I need more, more to it. I don't feel comfortable just hanging from a tree from a diaper, essentially. Like, I think that's going to be a good way to go. It'll be, it'll be a doorway, a gateway drug. Uh, so to speak for, for folks who are maybe looking to get into a saddle, but still want a little bit more there.
0: Yeah. And definitely if it's something that brings people to, to do it that I haven't done in the past. Great, man, that's great. So, if, I mean, I'll be honest with you, looking at saddles and stuff at the show. Um, did you get a chance to see the timber ninja one? Yeah, I think we, I yeah, walked you up
1: there. You did. And I'm glad you introduced me to Jason. Cause I went back the next day and was like, dude, we got to talk more. And, we got to do some stuff because it was it was fantastic.
0: His mind, man, the way he works and he uses everything. he will tell you, like we've had him on our show, you know, he, he made stuff for himself and then figured out a way that oh, well, other people might like this too. So some of the stuff. I mean, that saddle itself is like one pound. Uh, it's got these quick connect things for your sticks. It's it's very well thought out. Um, and I'd be look. I'd be curious to to give that one a try. But
1: yeah, the the quick connect to me is a. Uh, is a winner like that is that's legit because i hate i currently use paracord loops to drag my sticks up the tree and i really don't don't enjoy that at all like trying to get those out and they you know half the time when you put weight on the uh when this when the stick itself puts weight on the paracord loop it stretches it out so trying to get it back up out of that loop it can kind of get tangled or twisted it's just a huge pain so those quick connect um straps that are on there were really neat and then their modular pack system where you could add as much or as little as you wanted to to kind of get it all strapped up i mean to me that's like all right now we're talking a holistic setup here rather than just some new random pieces that you can hope that you can strap them to your pack this episode is brought to you by the onyx hunt app onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their Optimal Wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the OnX Hunt app on your preferred app store today. All right, what else? What else stood out?
0: Oh, man. So one of the groups that we started working with, I'm not just trying to make advertisements for anybody, but, uh, half rack, um, we spent a little bit of time in their booth and they've got some great stuff. And it's kind of one of these accessory type things where, you know, they've got the, the orange vests, and they've got the bino straps and they, they're coming out with this, uh, how do they call it? It's basically a soft sided cooler and they call it the meat pack or something or the Lug, the meat Lug. so Jessica who's in there. She's like, I told him it needs to be called the loin lugger. And I kind of like that name better. Yeah, uh, <laughs> That's a, that one was pretty sweet. That was good to see. Um, you know, we spent a little bit of time in spy points booth and they're adding the solar component to the flex that they came out with last year. Um, and then from an Ohio perspective, we spent a little bit of time with uh, a company called Blackgate and they're another camera company where a lot of this stuff is made in Ohio. So that was really nice to see. Um, and you know, the quality of those images is fabulous. Was and, it? Yeah.
1: I didn't see them. So tell me about the, tell me, the just a new camera company or is that?
0: Yeah. And I mean, the, when, when you put a booth together, you can make everything look really, really good, yeah. but it just, it was very simple, and you know they they have a little bit of a different setup on their cell phone plans, and I can't tell you off the top of my head what that was, but it was it made sense, right? And yeah. then the quality of the images and stuff coming through was 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 outstanding. So nice, uh, nice. Another option out there, and it's something that if you like uh, kind of a locally produced thing, then there you go. So.
1: Yeah, I ran into. Uh, a company that had some broadheads that were a little different. They were real small, like almost like field tip looking broadheads with blades coming off the side, these small curved blades coming off the side. And they were deceptive. Like because of how small of a package it was, I was like, man, the cutting diameter on these is pretty small, right? And they're like, no, it's like an inch and three quarters or something crazy. I mean, it was like, oh, okay, there's a lot, a lot more there. But we got to talking and turns out, I think they're manufactured by a bow shop and this bow shop's like 20 minutes down the road from where I live. And they're like, yeah, you need to stop by the shop. It's like, that's off. yeah. So it's like, man, if I can find somebody right down the road where I can, you know, if I have a question rather than calling customer service, I can, I think the guy's name was Chris. It's like, I can walk in and talk to Chris and be like, hey, Chris, having this issue with your broadheads. What do you think? You know, or whatever. Like to me, that's, that's huge. Having a, yep. a, a face and a, and a person. Did you see any products? I, I, okay. Let me take a step back. We don't have to throw anybody under the bus here, but I feel like every year there are products that I'm like, that's a bit gimmicky. You know, like that that's not a product that actually solves a problem that exists for, for hunters. Did you see anything that you were like, and that's just kind of silly.
0: The one that um, I just, I can't grasp the function, how important it would be. Right. It's it's like the heated uh, handle for your bow. Yeah, and right. I hunt and I'll, I'll, hunt basically all weather. I'm not, you know, that's not a problem, but man, like I don't sit there and hold it that long that I feel like I would need that extra weight and heat and battery and something else to, you know, worry about is this functioning right. So maybe if you're like hunting, you know, walking and I hunt from a stand where the bow hangs most of the time, right? It's not like I'm walking through the woods and have to hold on to that. Maybe that's where that would come in handy, but that's the one I've always just kind of scratched my head.
1: Yeah. I, I asked the guy, I was like, okay, where does the battery go? And he's like, oh, it goes, you can, you can just like zip tie it to your bow. And I'm like, mm, that's probably another thing that I'm not a big fan of. What about the wire? Oh, well, the wire, you can just kind of run it through here and wrap it around and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm, okay, there's another, another strike. It's a cool product. I think if it could have built-in battery, you know, they would run off of, as opposed to having an ounce external battery pack or something. Uh, I think if there wasn't a wire, I think if they'd come up with maybe a really good way to, um, a really good way to mount it, even if there is going to be an external battery pack, that might be cool. I think personally, if I was going to put a lot of time and effort into something like that, I probably would have just made a heated hand muff. You know, and just just started marketing that instead. Put the same technology into a muff. Hey, keep your hands in here. When it's time to shoot, grab your bow and shoot. Because I'm not, yeah, I'm like you. I'm not going to be sitting there holding my bow for extended periods of time when it's below freezing outside. just not going to happen. But, uh, man, so the one that I saw that I couldn't help but laugh at a bit, it's a, the product itself or the idea itself has been around for a while. Uh, But it was called the Scent Slinger. And basically you have these like paintballs of deer pee And you can use the scent slinger, which is like a leather um, slingshot that fits over your fingers. And you can use that and aim it and sling your scent wherever it is that you want it to be. Now, maybe if I was a big scent guy, if I was, you know, real big and like doctoring up scrapes while I'm in the tree stand or something, like maybe that would make it cool, but...
0: Dude, like the high school boy in me just thinks about how much fun that would be to just shoot at your friends when they're not paying attention. And then they smell like, you know, dope piss for the rest of the afternoon.
1: Yeah, it's a cool camp game, maybe. Yeah. You know, or something like that. It's, it's, it's not something that I'm going to take into the woods. Um, big products that you have a question mark about. Because I've, I've got one in particular that I'm like, I don't I don't understand the usefulness fully of this thing. Uh, but I'm open to it. Anything that you're kind of put a big question mark on.
0: Uh, man, off the top of my head. No, I, you know, I was listening to, I think it was your show or Dan or somebody was talking about one of these backpacks that was had felt on it yeah. and how much it, I think it was, was it mystery ranch one and that material that might not be the best man. I know, especially early season down here, you walk, you don't even have to know where you walk. Like I, I walk through some stuff numerous times and every time I guess get collected with burrs and different things. So material choice on that. Was that the mystery ranch back? Yeah, it
1: was. It was.
0: Backpack. Beautiful. And, and I know they make high quality stuff, but when it, man, I still, I walked through with some of my Merino wool early in the year and I think I was still pulling burrs out, you know, in December just because that stuff, they just, so anything that, you know, that, that would be one I would kind of scratch my head at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've gotten to the point where, you know, hunting early season, especially in Wisconsin, we don't have as much of that kind of like cling to you stuff here in, in the deep South, at least not that I run into a lot, uh, but hunting early season in Wisconsin I come out so covered in stuff that I've just made the call. Like eh, I'm throwing that one away. You know, that, that shirt that I was wearing out today, it's, it's not, it's done. It's, it's ran its course. I've had a good time with that shirt, but I don't have four or five hours to, to pick it clean. And I'm not going to go home and throw it in the washer because I value my life and I enjoy right. deer hunting. And if I throw that in there, I'm either going to die or I'm not going to be allowed to go hunting early season ever again. So that's, that's got to change. But Um, the one that I saw that was intriguing that, you know, if somebody said, Hey, we'll give you this, I would ride it, but I don't know that I'm convinced of its usefulness beyond just a normal e-bike is the double wheeled e-bike that I saw. Did you see that thing?
0: I did. And I took one look at it and kept walking. Okay. All (laughs) right.
1: So yeah, I, I did that the first three or four times I walked past it. And then finally, the last time I was like, okay, I've got to learn a little bit more. And they said technically it's a, it's a motorized or a, an electric moped. So it doesn't even fall into like the e-bike category as soon as you put that second front tire on there. um, So for me, I just, I, I don't know. I can't even remember the name of the company, but it's essentially, it's like a quiet cat. Or, you know, one of these other large e-bikes that you would see. But it's got two big front tires instead of just one. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's helpful for terrain. But, you know, that's not even the tire that's spinning. Like, I could see, hey, we put two on the back. It's like, okay, I get it. You get a little more power transfer to the back. You know, get a little more uh, ability to climb over stuff. But two on the front, when those aren't the ones that are motorized, just kind of feels like added weight and... Uh, an attempt to make it different than the others. Yeah. If that makes I'm sense. with it. Like
0: to me, the e-bike thing is really cool in theory. I haven't figured out how to justify one yet. Um, so, and the part of it's just Ohio, the, the nature where we our public land is minimal and, you know, that kind of stuff. So for me, when I saw that, I was just like, that looks like a cool kid's toy, but I'm, I have no need for that in
1: my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing I I do have to ask you, you're a mobile guy. Did you go by the XOP booth at all? No. I don't think so. Okay. All right. They've got a new climber. And I know in Ohio, there are some spots in Ohio where climbers can be really handy. Because you guys have got some good mature timber. Do you hunt any of those areas where there's, like, good mature timber where a climber is, like, really useful?
0: Yes and no. Um, I will. But a lot of times... I try to stay away from them and try to get into the scrubby stuff because that's where I just, especially after this year, that's where I had a lot of success on the edges in the crap, like the worst area, you know, I could get the better. Um, I, man, I don't even, I don't consider climbers anymore because I've had one in the past that I, I literally fell out of. Like, um, I was probably 20, 25 feet up. And I went to turn around and, uh, it's part of, it's mostly my own fault because it was like a sycamore tree. So those don't have a lot of bark and I'm a horticulture major, like from way back. Like I should have known better. Uh, and I went to turn around next thing I know I'm like dangling and I'm trying to hold the thing with my feet It took about uh, 20 minutes before I got spun around and was able to get myself back down. Um, so that was really that was nerve wracking. And then there was another time where I just, I was, you know, going out and it's bang, bang, bang. First thing, it's dark and trying to get the straps. And I remember climbing and climbing, climbing. I think I'm 25 feet up in the air and I'm like 12 <laughs> because my <laughs> bow rope got screwed up. And then, I mean, a lot of it's user error and it probably would be better if I got used to it, but I just don't even pay attention to those anymore. Um, that said, is there a place for them? Yeah, I've seen people kill deer out of it with them. So, and they're super comfortable to sit up in there. So, if you got the right setup and you're comfortable with it, like, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think for some of our some of our more southern listeners who are hunting around large pine plantations or you know big mature pine stands that kind of thing, a climber can be really really helpful. Can be really really useful because, um, yeah, you've got a lot of trees that you can count on. You can count on there not being limbs too low. You can count on. Uh, not having a lot of obstacles to go around. The bark is good for them to bite into, so there's plenty of substance there. Uh, But XOP's got this new climber that folds down super thin, super compact against your back. And uh, not only that, but it's really, really light. It's like the lightest climber on the market. I think there's one called the X-Stand that's been around for a while that I've never actually laid hands on. But I think this one's going to actually come out to be a bit lighter than even that one. And so I'm looking forward to possibly getting my hands on one of those, uh, mostly for, like I said, places in the south or, like, for instance, if I go down to our family place down in Alabama, I know there are a lot of trees that are prepped for a climber that are, you know, ready to go as opposed to, you know, having to bring in a saddle and climb a telephone tree with with a saddle set up, you know, get up in there with the climber and check it out. But that was really intriguing because I feel like, you know, a lot of guys are used to lugging in their twenty-five and thirty-pound summit climbers, which to me just sounds awful. I mean, I used to do it, man. Like that was that was hunting to me as a kid. Was a twenty-nine-pound summit viper, and uh, I'm way past those days. You know, way if, way if the
0: XOP one ambush.
1: What's that? Was the XOP one called the ambush? I don't remember. I I do not remember what it was called.
0: All right, just pulled up their website. I was looking at them here, but it looks sweet.
1: That was the thing that I did the worst job of at ATA, was remembering, number one, the brand name of some of these companies that I've never heard of before, and then, two, remembering the exact name of certain SKUs that pro- that companies were, were offering now. They're like, hey, we got this great new thing, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Never once asked about the name of it, you know.
0: Right. Well, I mean, that's where you got to pull your camera out and start taking the pictures of, of everything possible. So then jogs your memory. But that's one thing I will say last year I did a lot more of that where it was like taking pictures and trying to remember the stuff, come home and research it. Some of the stuff still hasn't come to market, like supply chain issues or whatever. But um, so maybe this year I was a little bit jaded in that, that realm. Yeah. Part.
1: I'll believe it when I see it. When I, yeah. when I see it for sale, I'll, uh, I'll believe it's a real thing.
0: For sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Man, anything else from the show that we need to cover that it's like, hey, this was a cool part. This was a cool product. This was neat to see. These are people that I met that were awesome.
0: Uh, I met Josh Raley. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was um, all right.
1: <laughs> He's okay.
0: No, I think the overall, you know, to me, the theme of the show, you know, there's still a lot of a lot of stuff coming out. There's a lot of good companies out there. Um whether you, you get it or you don't on a certain product, I don't care. Like there, people are trying new things and new ways. Um, so it's just trying to keep track of that. And a lot, so a lot of what I think that show is like you and I are quote media, but like the small mom and pop retailers around the country, they go in there and they try to find stuff to bring to put on their shelves. So if you see new product lines pop up, it's possible that they met, met these people at uh, ATA and there's probably a good reason that they're putting it on their, their shelves to, to bring you something new and creative and innovative, whether it's price point, whatever it comes to be. Um, so go out and give them a try uh, because there is a lot of good stuff out there that yeah, coming come in the market.
1: For sure. It was nice to see. <clears throat> I mean, I know after like 2020, they basically didn't do anything. Uh, 2021, or was it 22? I don't remember. Whatever ATA it was. Um, no, ATA 2020 happened. 2021 did not. Is that right? Sounds okay. right. Yeah. Anyway, something along those lines. Then the following year, it was just all about doom and gloom and how the show is not what it used to be, and it's terrible, and it's awful, and you know nobody's going to be here next year, blah, blah, blah. This year, there seemed to be a lot of new life, a lot of fresh life. And <clears throat> I think seeing a lot of those companies... Uh, like Timber Ninja, that aren't the big, huge brands that you see spending a lot of money on marketing. They're bringing really cool products, and they're worth they're worth taking a look at, and they're worth a shot, even though they they maybe aren't the ones out there pumping tons of money to get these products in your face.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing I was thinking about. The thing that's beautiful about a show like that, and so this was kind of like, uh, you know, we had to have our special badges. It's not open to the public. But if you find a show like uh, the Great American Outdoor Show over in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, or you find a place where one of these guys is, is you know, displaying to the public, some of this stuff's expensive. Well, okay, let's get, a lot of it is expensive. Yeah. We have a, an exp- hobby. So instead of just looking at pictures on the internet and saying, oh, I'm going to buy this, you know, $300 saddle or whatever, if you can get to one of those shows and go put your hands on it, I mean, see it to believe it type of thing. And like that, Tim, like you, well, going into that, you could have told me, oh yeah, a new saddle. And I just went like, okay, a new saddle. Once I held that, once I put that thing on and I was like, I'm not even wearing a saddle. That was, I mean, I was impressed. Yeah. So, and the thing with those, those carbon sticks, I know numerous people that are like, oh yeah, that's an expensive stick. And all they see is the price tag. But once you put your hands on it, you're like, oh boy, this is like really cool. Yeah, like that's no, one man. of those things you can't get off of the internet and going out and seeing the stuff in a trade show or whatever, you know, your deer expos, like that's, that's, what's really cool about it to me.
1: Yeah. What do you remember the price of one of those sticks? For latitude? Nope. I don't either. I, I remember thinking though, that like, you know, three or four years ago I would have been like, Oh my gosh, that's per stick. But now, after, you know, seeing the kind of revolution of high-end hunting gear and seeing what, like, Beast Gear is getting and what um, Lone Wolf Custom Gear, seeing what some of them are charging for some of the sticks or like even, like, seeing the, t- the tethered one sticks at the price that they're coming in at. It's like, okay, they we're in a new era of hunting gear. It's no longer the, hey, I go buy what's 20 bucks on the shelf at Walmart. We're needing high-quality gear, but you're needing one set of it. We're in a new era, right? And we we kind of have to adjust to that, especially if our hunting styles adjust. Now, if you're the guy that goes out and buys six or seven sets of sticks and you go put them in the woods and you leave them, don't buy any of these. <laughs> you know, do not go buy carbon fiber sticks. Go buy the Ameristep. You know, steel things from Walmart for forty bucks that'll get you sixteen feet and and be done with it. But if you want to run a gun and like you mentioned earlier, what has led to your increased success, what has led to my increased success, what has led to a lot of guys increased success, which is being more mobile and being able to make adjustments on the fly. Then you really should consider some of these more, more specialty options, you know, but when that g- comes a price.
0: Yep. So I'm a big firm believer in, you know, you get what you pay for. Uh, and like I just pulled up. One a, a competing carbon fiber stick will say $132 a stick. Now <laughs> back in the day, I would be like, Oh my gosh, a hundred dollars for a ladder stand. Like that's a lot of money. And I get it. Yeah. If that, it can a hundred dollars is a lot of money, but now to think that, you know, 130 bucks for one stick, that's going to get you four feet up in the air. Uh, like that is, but what, like what you're saying, if that, if you buy a, few of these sticks and all of a sudden, you know, you know, whatever, $400 turns into essentially infinite tree stand locations because you can take it anywhere you want to go. Is it a better value? If they last, if they last for a long time. I don't know. There's a lot of things to think about, but it's definitely different. And, uh, as time goes on, you know, I'm sure it'll evolve even more.
1: Yep. For sure. Well, man, anything else that you want to leave us with any, uh, big takeaways, or uh, anything you want to make fun of anybody from the Sportsman's Empire podcast network about, uh, this is your chance.
0: Mm. I should have had that
1: ready. (laughs) I should have prepped you on that one, man. To be honest, that was, uh, that one, I should have had you ready.
0: I'll make fun of Nate, okay? So, because we're sitting there trying to, I had planned to do a recording with them about coyote hunting, because that's, you know, their their bread and butter. And uh, here we are doing the recording. It's going great. We're like 20 minutes into it. he gets a text that, uh, you know, we got invited down to the the working class bow hunters, um, room and like a little fan girl. He just was like, Oh, well, I guess we're done. I'm like, but wait, what? Like we can wait. <laughs> Give me 15 more minutes. So now I have like a half of an episode. Paul and I have half
1: of an episode on predator hunting
0: because Nate had to go get his little fangirl on to go down and, and hang out with the WCB boys. but
1: Oh, there it is. There it is. Hey, yeah. and the best part of all of it is the emperor says, hey, be there at 6. 6 yeah. o'clock. No emperor. 610.
0: Yeah, no emperor. He just does his own thing, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Cool, man. Well, Andrew, where can folks find you? Find hey, uh, Where can they get that half episode about predator hunting that's coming up?
0: Well, if we ever get back to reality, I'm going to attempt to get a full episode, but so, uh, Paul and I, Paul Campbell and I do the O2 podcast, which is short for Ohio outdoors. So we're on the network obviously. And then our Instagram is 0 2podcast Um, uh, and then we do a lot of stuff on go wild. Uh, so over there, it's O2 podcast and our websites, the O2 podcast.com.
1: Sweet. Are you as jacked about Turkey season as Paul is?
0: No, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I like the idea of getting out in the woods in the spring, and then I'll just be the one following behind as Paul seeks out all all spring long. So. Yeah,
1: nice, nice. I know he's got a new turkey podcast launching tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, from the day that we're recording this, launching tomorrow. Uh, so that should be pretty cool, man. If you like turkeys, you dig turkeys, uh, turkey hunting, Paul does too. And he's talking to a lot of good guests, so. Anyway, Andrew, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Ash. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me, suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.